Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I do want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet at Jim Kramer. I love days like today. And not just because the Dow surged 337 points, S&P jumped 0.91%, NASDAQ pull vaulted 1%. I love this action because it makes sense. I like it because it's rational. This morning, we got a remarkable employment report. Remarkable. We created 266,000 jobs last month, very little inflation. And these phenomenal numbers finally drove a stake through the heart of the idea that there's a recession looming just around the corner. Most of these big-picture macroeconomic data points tend to be pretty ephemeral. They matter for a day, then we forget them. But not the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report. This one tends to linger, painting the whole market in whatever light that report is. And in this case, of course, it's a positive light. These matter. Why? Because we head heading next week. It's going to affect all of our game plan. Before we get to earnings, stuff, I need to cover two significant events. On Wednesday, the Federal Reserve will reveal its next move when Chairman Jerome Powell holds his interminable press conference free-for-all. After the fabulous numbers we got today, I, I, I don't know, I'm worried. I'm worried the guy could turn hawkish again like he did late last year when he took a wrecking ball of the economy and the stock market. I'm calling Powell a wild card. Best outcome? Let's hope he says that even though we've got great job growth, there's not much inflation, which means there's no pressing need to tighten. Ideally, he'll also add that he stands ready to give us more rate cuts if the trade war with China continues to weigh on the industrial side of our economy. That'd be a huge positive. But if he takes a more hawkish tone, well, you know what? Look out below. And he's capable of that because sometimes I think he he just can't lose the old model. The other big uh, non-earnings event, well, over the weekend and into Monday and Tuesday, the American Society of Hematology, ASH, holds its annual meeting. Now, get this. This is where a bunch of big pharmaceutical companies could surprise us with strong data. I'm paying close attention to Bristol-Myers, which will have a webcast of potentially market-moving data from the conference. Full disclosure, I like this one so much that we own it for my charitable trust. You can follow on all our moves before we make them by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club, where I'll be talking about Bristol-Myers in my meeting next week. As for the earnings side of the equation, over the past week, company after company with high revenue growth and little to no profits has seen its stock get savage after the port. Will the pattern continue? I told you this is what I'm worried about, the bear market and high rev, low earning stocks. What do we got? All right, well, we're going to get Chewy, MongoDB, and Stitch Fix. Uh, Chewy's an online pet store that's growing like a weed. You probably see their boxes all over the place and uh, you get UPS guys throwing around. But the rap here is that they're spending too much to keep their customers happy and bring in new ones. And that's uh, not the right model anymore. MongoDB creates database software for large enterprises. Extremely well run. Stock's up 56% for the year. But I got to wonder if the company's rapid revenue growth will be enough to impress Wall Street at these levels. As for Stitch Fix, it actually makes money. But does it make enough? Stock's up 41% for 2019. And we know the apparel space. 
fickle. Let's see how they do. On Tuesday, we get the results from AutoZone, AZO. And while I hate most of the auto industry here, I do love AutoZone. This do-it-yourself auto parts chain has great business and intends to buy back mountains of stock. However, shares often get hit after the quarter because management's so conservative. I recommend buying some beforehand in anticipation of great results and then buying some after in case the stock gets hit. So remember, if AutoZone goes down, the company will be in there buying back its stock right next to you. Now, we're going to have a sad call on Tuesday after the close. And that's when Ollie's bargain outlet reports. Mark Butler, the brilliant co-founder and CEO, passed away suddenly just a few days ago at the age of 61. And while there was a succession plan in place, Ollie's army will surely miss its leader. Now, I got to know Mark through his multiple appearances on our show over the years. All I can say is he was a good man who was obsessed with charity especially charities that benefit young people. He was chairman of the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation and sponsored children's parks in multiple cities. He's a good man who died too soon. Next up, should you uh, buy a stock that sets a new all-time high uh, just today and is up 88% for the year? When it comes to Lululemon, I think the answer is yes. The company reports on Wednesday, and I think its momentum remains intact. I don't normally do this, but if you're watching tonight, maybe you've just watched the show Options Action, our lead in. If you wanted to bet on Lulu, I'd say play it with deep in the money call options because they'll let you capture the upside if the company delivers, but they won't burn you as badly as common stock in the unlikely event that the company misses because you'll be cut off on the downside. Lululemon is the fastest growing apparel company in the land. And while I would rather own Boot Barn, more on that later, I respect everything that Lulu's got going for it right here. Thursday is going to be huge. After the close, we hear from Costco, Oracle, Broadcom, and Adobe. But I think you'll get, uh, you may not get the fireworks you expect, given the fact, even though these are all high-powered growth stocks. First, for example, Costco is going to talk about tariffs. It may not be that great, but I think they've mitigated them. Remember, the more important thing is membership growth. That's what fuels this stock. Broadcom used to be an incredibly acquisitive semiconductor company, but later they started making acquisitions software, not some other things because they didn't want China to block their deals. I'm impressed by how well they're turning around CA. That's the latest major purchase. I also bet that Broadcom announces a Jagunda buyback. Oracle should be okay. But co-CEO Mark Hurd passed away in October, and I don't know what kind of numbers this company can generate without Hurd's hard-charging, ultra-competitive spirit. Few executives could sell like Mark Hurd. I always enjoyed his combative attitude. Reminded me of the old days. I'm sure Oracle will do fine, though, and I'm hoping to find out more about what they intend to do with the cloud. I expect something very meaningful. They already say they're doing a lot. They need to do more. As for Adobe... It just held a big analyst meeting where it laid out a phenomenal forecast. I think the company will follow that up with strong numbers. Finally, on Friday, one that you often see with Michael Nydorf on the show, CNC, Centene, has an analyst meeting. This is a managed care company that handles government-sponsored health care plans, and its stock has been on on fire ever since Senator Elizabeth Warren backed away from her support for single-payer. Specifically, she said she'd postpone it until a third year in office. Me, it's not much of a priority. That allowed this whole group to roar, including Centene, but... I think Centene's got a lot more room to run, given that it's only up 5% for the year. I recommend buying the stock ahead of that Friday analyst meeting, especially if the Fed does the wrong thing on Wednesday, which I said they might do. And I wouldn't be surprised if management lays out an aggressive target for 2020. Bottom line, when we get an amazing employment report, we can take a break from the on-again, off-again China news. More on that later. And just focus on earnings. And when we focus on earnings, I think we'll like what we get to see. Roger in New York. Roger. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah, Roger. My stock is Ulta Beauty. I didn't have the nerve to buy Ulta before earnings. Now I'm kicking myself. The stock was up $26 on a 12-cent beat. 
today. Right. Uh, do I wait for a pullback to get into it? I don't think it? it's going to pull back that much. Now, look, remember, they didn't guide up or anything. They just did the number. But the fact is, they're going to go through this downturn in makeup, cosmetics, and come out fine. That's why Mary Dillon was just simply brilliant on that call. And that's why that stock went up that much. It was because of her own personal brilliance and what she's done to be able to stem the tide when everyone else in makeup is doing not so well. So I think you're fine. I think you can still buy it. Stan in Arizona. Stan. Big market day. Booyah. I like that. What's up? Hey, quick question for you. Um, surprise announcement. Cleveland Cliff taking over uh, AK Steel as an AK Steel stockholder uh, long term. Is this good for me? Sorry. Sometimes a certain word speaks loudly. Matthew in Washington, D.C. Matthew. Booyah, Jim. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, calling about Westrock, ticker symbol WRK. Um, got in the um, low mid-30s. Great yield. Um, great job report today. Consumer economy. Um, do you think to hold or you think this thing's going to run? I think it actually can run. I mean, you know, the big issue with, with, uh, big issue with, with, with that company, frankly, was that they... Uh, there's too much capacity in the industry, but we're starting to get a little, uh, you know, the capacity's not coming on as fast. Uh, not my fave. Not my fave, though. Let's go to Cesar in New Jersey. Cesar. Hey, Jim. What's going on? Oh, much doing the show. How about you? Good, good. I have a question about uh, pager duty. I saw it went down today uh, pretty significantly. I want to get your thoughts. I read the call. Um, I think the company's stock was up too much in anticipation. Uh, Jen Tejada, uh, she did a good job on the call. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that it was one that was great because they actually shaded down uh, what they, uh, let's just say they missed a little. And in this market, obviously, if you're a high growth company whose stock is up a lot, uh, you got to guide up big, and they did not do that. All right, it's finally time to just focus on earnings, people. And I think think we're going to like what we see on Mad Tonight. These boots may be for walking, but are they also made for profits? I'm talking with the CEO of Boot Barn. Then what the recent employment figures can mean when it comes to the trade war with China. And price check on aisle two. Grocery outlet symbol Go has had a big pullback. Could it be time to circle back to that stock? I'm talking with the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today. You need not live in the heartland to strut your stuff like an icon of the West. The markets have shown this is no flyover stock. But in the raucous retail rodeo, are investors ready to give Boot Barn a big old booyah? Some stocks just don't know when to quit. 
Look at Boot Barn, the lifestyle retailer that sells Western and work-related footwear, apparel, and accessories. This stock's been a Kramer fave for ages. Do you know it's up already nearly 150% for the year? The source of its strength, Boot Barn keeps putting up incredible numbers. When the company reported at the end of October, it delivered yet another top and bottom line beat with spectacular 7.8% same-store sales growth. You know, these retailers aren't doing those kinds of numbers anymore. So can the stock keep climbing as we head into 2020? Let's take a closer look with Jim Conroy, the president and CEO of Boot Barn to get a better read on how his company's doing and where it is headed. Mr. Conroy, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank Good to see you. Good to see you. Well, I have to tell you, you changed my life. I drafted Zeke in the first round of so fantasy, nice. and you know what I put on? Your hat. And I'm thinking that people are wearing your hats in all different places, so different from when you started even just you know a dec- less than a decade ago. Yes, they are. But most of our product is still a functional use. Right. Uh, we have seen a nice pickup in more of the fashionable side of hats, particularly on the ladies' side. So floppy, more fashionable hats on the ladies' side. Um, but if you were to walk around most of our markets, men and women are wearing the hats for sun protection and for a, a functional purpose. Well, I think that's really important because there was a time this afternoon the Baker used rig count came out and it showed uh, fell by five, six consecutive declines. And there was a time when I was worried about the oil and gas business and your company. It's not like that anymore. No, that's right. I think we've diversified quite a bit more. And I think we finally have broken that connection, at least in the investor's mind, to rig count, the price of oil, et cetera. Uh, we're now in 33 states, almost 250 stores. So the connection and connectivity to the price of a barrel of oil, I think, is now behind us. Finally. Well, let's talk about what is driving. I mean, uh, uh, country music and NASCAR, uh, just a massive market uh, that Wall Street guys seem to underappreciate. Perhaps. I think we've said in the past that this is a massive retail opportunity that's been hidden in plain sight for years. It's hard to understand when you're in Manhattan or when you're in Los Angeles. But when you fly across the country and you look down, you're looking at our customer. Um, When you answer your question, what's driving the growth? We probably have some tailwinds here or there, but we've been on average plus eight for 10 years. So it's not a new phenomenon. I think people are now just noticing us as we've Crossed a billion dollars in market cap and, and are now more center stage on, uh, in, in Wall Street. Well, I so glad you put it that way because some people would say, well, you missed it with 150%. But we both know that there are great retailers that can do that year after year after year until people really do discover them everywhere. And one of the things I think that makes it so that I, I have such confidence in you is that I think, you're, I think you have Amazon insulation. Well, Amazon is a great competitor, a very formidable company, of course. But what we have insulation from online mostly, right? So it's a store-preferred purchase. Right. Uh, more than 80% of our business is in the store. We really focus on driving store traffic. Uh, the fit of the boot or the, the same-day need of a work right. boot. You know, a guy on a, on a job site needs this boot t- to get back to work that right. day. So he's, uh, he can't wait for it to be shipped to him typically. Um, but so far, you know, Amazon carries many of the products that we carry, um, and, but they've done that for years, right. and we continue to see growth in both channels. So we're very pleased with that. Now, your uh, private label's loved. I mean, most people have private label, and we think, okay, well, let me get the real. It seems like your private label is the real. It is. It is. Our exclusive brands or our private label are, are set in terms of good, better, best to be better priced, they're the best boot in the market at that price. They're not promoted every day like a lot of other mm-hmm. store brands might be. So we've set them out from the, from the beginning to be true brands. And we have customers coming in, buying, looking for that product as if they're a brand, as if they're a third-party right. brand. 
Um, so, you know, between Cheyenne, Cody James, and a lot of the others, they've seen some nice growth. It's now about 25% of our in-store purchases are exclusive brands. Now, the margins of that must be good, even though I know you do have some China exposure, but it seems very minimal when you look at the numbers. We've been able to offset any of the issues with tariffs. You mitigate uh, it. That's what I've been saying, that you're in the mitigation business, right? Yes, yes. and, and the, the, we've had some really nice, sharp growth in exclusive brands recently, and that has offset some of the pressure of tariffs. And uh, when we had our last earnings call, we raised our guidance for right. the year. So, and we're in, a, we're in a tariff environment now, and we've been able to find ways to uh, either push back from a negotiating standpoint or increase prices if need be. A lot of the great retailers, Jim, what happens is people say, I, I, uh, is there really that much room for expansion? Given the popularity of these kinds of, of items, isn't it possible you could double your store count? Absolutely. And, and we've mapped it out. We've mapped out the whole country state by state. Uh, and we've gotten to a number of exactly 200, 250 doubling to uh, 500. So we think we can double the store count uh, soon to be in Pennsylvania. So we'll be get, getting closer and closer to, uh, to New York and, and hopefully we'll have investors go on. See, I am convinced that it'll fly in New York because I, I have a house in uh, San Miguel de Allende in Mexico. And, you know, a lot of expats to 90 percent expats. And they, they oh, this is what they wear. OK. And it's and a lot of the people in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And because it's fashion. Um, it's it, it, it's regarded as fashion from the point of view of um, dress up. It, it's it's a dress up. It is part of it is uh, so. You know, but but what pays the bills really is a a boot that is this is a Western boot, but it's worn every day. It's got a rubber sole bottom, and it's a functional purpose. Now, from a fashion perspective, we do have some brands and some styles that you know, this is a, a boot that we brought out under the Idlewind by Miranda Lambert line. And this is a fashion boot, right? right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're excited about the, the launch of Idlewind and its growth. Uh, and it's been a really nice contributor to our overall sales growth. But the most of our product is commodity, replenishment, staples. Uh, our customer doesn't go in looking for Western wear. They right. go in looking for clothing. Well, I got to tell you, you've done a remarkable job. Each time you come on, I tell people you can still buy it, and you can still buy it. Uh, and I just think that tariffs doesn't matter. I mean, the, the, the price is right, and you've, you've been so. very successful. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, Jim, I got to tell you, it's, been a, it's always a pleasure to see you. Like and I cannot believe I wore a cowboy hat for the Dallas Cowboys. You made me into someone I never thought I'd be. That's Jim Conroy. He's the president and CEO of Boot Barn. This one's not done. That money's back after the break. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. I saw these blowout employment numbers this morning, best in 50 years, 266,000 jobs created, benign inflation. I had two realizations. One, everything Harvard taught me about economics was wrong. And two, the trade war with China, it's extremely winnable. 
Let's talk economics. When I studied economics at Harvard back in the 70s, I was told that you simply can't have great job growth with mild inflation. The conventional wisdom back then was that rapid job growth would fan the flames of inflation, which would then cause the Fed to raise interest rates, possibly sending us into a recession. Now, that whole model is hopelessly out of date. Actually, it's been that way for decades. But maybe somebody forgot to tell Fed Chief Jay Powell, because a year ago he dusted off that ancient economics playbook and decided to preemptively crush inflation by calling for a series of lockstep rate hikes. In reality, there was no inflation, but Powell assumed it was the inevitable consequence of a strong job market. That was wrong. Fortunately, the members of the Fed finally seem to be getting into their fixed goals that it's not the 70s anymore. And they're making much smarter policy decisions these days. And man, if we're experiencing this kind of growth without inflation, that means President Trump has a ton of flexibility when it comes to the trade negotiations with China. That's why tonight I am saying I think you should just walk away. Just walk away from the table. Proceed with the planned tariff hikes in a week and a half and wait for the Chinese government to become less intransigent or until the elections in 2020 or both. The trade war, it's really hurting China. But based on this employment report, it's clearly not hurting us, at least not badly enough to put a dent in these fabulous job numbers. We might as well take our time and get the best possible deal that you can get. What makes me so confident? Because while our economy is obviously in great shape, despite the dire warnings from economists who told us that tariffs are always bad for business, the China economy, well, that feels like it's in trouble to me. We're starting to get declarations out of the Chinese government about how people shouldn't worry about financial risk. Hey, you know what? If there was really no financial risk, they wouldn't say anything. Honestly, it reminds me of what our government sounded like back in uh, 2008. Now, I know Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economic advisor, and my former uh, Kudlow and Kramer co-host, says that the trade talks are intense. But every time we get close to a deal, China tries to move the goalposts and the negotiations blow up. I say fine. This quarter, we've heard from so many American companies right on this show that have talked about mitigating the tariffs by moving their manufacturing to other countries. Why not let it play out? Whether you love Trump or you hate Trump, with these job numbers, time is on his side. As the Chinese economy deteriorates, I think they'll be forced to make more and more concessions to reach a deal. We're not just talking about soybean purchases here anymore. China will have to start actually enforcing intellectual property law. They'll have to stop dumping government-subsidized goods on our market. They'll have to crack down on illegal fentanyl that is killing our people. And they'll have to stop hacking our computers, or at least be more subtle about it. Only when China's ready to negotiate on those points can the talks begin in earnest. Right now, we're so far from where we need to be that the president might as well walk away from the table. I think that may be the only way to get a decent trade deal done. It costs the United States very little to wait. It costs China a lot. If the Chinese government wants to drag this out, that, my friends, is on them. Carol in New York. Carol. Hey, Jim. I recently bought a small position in PAAS. I already have a solid position in gold, and they're all down today. So moving forward, how do you see today's jobs report impacting those stocks, and is it worthwhile having a position in silver at all, or is my money um, better served continuing to build gold? Well, you, you are in the best silver company with Pan American, but I am not a silver believer. It's got too many industrial uses. I'm a gold believer, strictly as insurance, and Pan American does not give you the insurance that you want. But I am glad, Carol, that you already have a gold position so i'm not sweating the program all right i know i'm really out there on this but i think it is time to stop going for a tie and go for a win in the trade talks with china so walk away from the table mr president unless china starts playing fair much more mad money including my exclusive with the ceo of grocery outlet after sell-off this summer is it time to add the company to your cart then it's genetic testing company taking DNA tests to a whole new level. I'm sitting down with the CEO of a company you probably never heard of called Natara. It is so amazing. And all your calls, rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. 
Monday. Kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. That's where it happened when we we first heard about it. Lack of uh, contouring. Contouring suddenly became something people weren't doing. Because I remember that. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. Not every company that came public this year is a turbocharged growth play that's hemorrhaging money. There have been a few genuinely compelling IPOs if you know where to look for them. Take grocery outlet GO for all you home gamers. This is a supermarket chain that I like to think of as kind of the TJ Maxx of grocers. They have a very clever system of so- for sourcing merchandise that lets them offer 40 to 70 personal uh, percent discounts. 40 to 70. I mean, like, wow. In late July, I told you I love this business, but said maybe you have to wait a little bit because the stock was 39. Now, the grocery outlet's been uh, hit with a major pullback. It's taken to 32. And at these levels, I think it looks a lot more enticing. So let's dig deeper with Eric Lindbergh. He's the CEO of Grocery Outlet Holding. Learn more about his company and its prospects. Mr. Lindbergh, welcome to Man Money. Thank Good you. to see you, sir. Thank you very much okay, for me. first time on the show. I know a lot of Absolutely. callers. I mean, we had, a, we had a caller, Zach, in California, July 2nd, said, tell us about this store. And then uh, we got a chance to have you. So why don't you tell us about this All store? All right. Uh, well, it's uh, you got it. The, the TJ Maxx. Uh, um, of grocery. Um, we, uh, it's a sourcing model. Uh, we have merchants who are knocking on doors all the time at uh, CPGs, consumer product goods uh, manufacturers, looking for great deals. Those deals come into the store and they end up 40 to 70% for the customer. Customers love finding what they can find. Grocery, frozen, deli, produce, meat, you know, everything you'd find at a regular store, but at great, great discounts. Well, I have to tell you, after reading everything uh, that's about your company, I had two, I was two months. One, I wanted to buy the stock, but two, I wanted to buy a grocery outlet. I wanted to be. <laughs> we'll take you. But, but tell people about it because we have people right now who are probably thinking, is there any way I can own one? Because they might have thought, well, I don't want to go against Kroger, but you're yeah. not going against a Kroger. No, you're not. It, it, yeah, it's, a, um, it's an amazing model. We like to say it's like the last American retail dream. Yes. For people that have been in the business, they've worked hard all their lives, they've run stores for other people. This is their chance to get in. With Grocery Outlet doing the buying at scale and providing all the deals, they provide the labor in the store, they run it locally, they make a lot of the merchant decisions that are taken away from a lot of retailers today, and we split the gross profit margin on the four-wall unit 50-50. So there's a real upside for them. We have the same incentives to sell more at profit, and uh, it creates just amazing opportunities for 350 families out there. Well, that's got to be one of the reasons why you've had... 15 consecutive years of positive comparable store sales growth in an industry that that is people have been radically inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, we're really proud of that stat. And it, it is a big piece of the operators delivering that local service and delivering, you know, that feel in uh, each one of the stores. So we well, give them a lot of credit. I want to just give I want people to understand the flavor of this. Talk to me about the contract written on a napkin. Yes. Jim Reed uh, was in Redmond, Oregon. And I would say today, Redmond, Oregon is still a store in the same town on their third generation. Vince Downs and his wife run that store. Uh, His grandfather met the founder of Grocery Outlet. He had a building. We had product. The two of them got together. He said, hey, would you like to sell some groceries from San Francisco? And, you know, uh, Mr. Downs said, I'd love to. They shook hands. They wrote a little contract, you know, share the margin and I'll pay you as a manager. And that turned into the basis of what we have today for 350 families, which okay. is just a, 
Why does anyone else have it? Is it just not replicable? Because it you know, is it's a different more, style. Yeah, it's a little more complicated. It's a little more touchy-feely. Yeah. You know, we really get into bed with the operators. You know, they become partners. They right. don't leave. Um, you know, retailers are all about replicating the predictable. Right. We're about sort of getting into that gray zone where you let the operator sort of deliver to that local. So, so many retailers just don't want to do it because they don't want to mess with it. But I would look at Chick-fil-A and say Chick-fil-A is doing it today. Good example. Very, very similar. Um, there are other models out there, but uh, there's no one in grocery doing it. Okay, so what I have to ask, what everybody in your business I have to ask, how do you compete with Amazon? Well, uh, we do. We, we think you we do, do quite, quite right? well. Um, You're we, lower price than Amazon. We are, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We're the lowest price bar none. You know, Grocery Outlet is the cheapest place to buy food. It is a brick-and-mortar uh, model, and we're proud of that. Um, we don't have any immediate plans to go online. We don't think you can replicate what we have in the store, that constant turnover Treasure of hunt. It's very hard to do. It's, it's very hard for people to select your fresh product and deliver it to your home. And the biggest reason is we don't think anyone's making money doing it. We don't think anyone in our business is making money delivering food. So never right. say never. Uh, we're going to watch it. But right now, we're, we're just having fun you know, opening stores right. and doing it the old-fashioned way. One last question. You've opened a store very close to where I grew up, actually a couple. And I, I, how do you get the word out about Grocery Outlet? Because you can't advertise nationally if you only have a couple yeah. around the Pennsylvania area. Yeah, so you do have to. Um, we use word of mouth. Um, the local operator is really powerful. Um, we have a, uh, a great marketing team. We do a lot with social and digital. Um, we will do some conventional advertising. We'll do some flyers. We'll do some promotional stuff. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We're all over um, sort of all the new digital um, um, tools and technologies. And people find you. When you have 40 to 70% savings, people just want to come well, in and find what you have. It seems like there's some people come because it's recession-proof and they need it. It just seems like other people come who are actually quite well off and they just they yeah. like to yeah. browse. Yeah, so the, I think the value mindset set in really hard in 2009 and it's here to stay. Yeah, that's so right. Yeah. See, that's the new frugality. Yeah. People who even have a, they're doing really well, but they, they, they'd rather buy at a grocery right. outlet. Yeah. They, why overpay? Exactly. And, and then you can get, in the store, you can get a lot of gourmet items. We sell beer yeah. and wine. We sell produce. We right. sell this this um, category we call NOSH, natural, organic, specially healthy, which is think of a little Whole Foods inside of a grocery outlet, and and those those are really discounted products, really good deals, and everyone wants to eat healthy. Well, That's you're one of the most exciting companies that have come public this year, and you're also the great ones. Always are like yours. They're just doing really well. The crazy ones, they're the ones where people lose their shirt on. I don't want that. I want the people, I want them to go. In grocery outlet. That's Eric Lindbergh. He's the grocery outlet CEO. And by the way, they have fabulous stuff online if you want to learn about them. The grocery outlet story I thought was terrific. You'll understand their model. And if you're like me, when you finish, you'll want to own a grocery outlet. Thank you so Thank much, you sir. Much. Stick with Craver. It is time! It's time to light up! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy, cover the lightning round. Chris, let's start with Ryan in Oregon. Ryan. A big Portland, Oregon booyah, Dr. Kramer. May I have trailblazers booyah? What's happening? Uh, S&P Global is up about over 50% for the year. Uh, do you feel, still think it's a bias? Oh, problem? yes, I do. You know I think that management team is terrific. They are great guys. It's a buy. Let's go to Brian in Florida. Brian. Hey, Jim. Hope Brian. you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving and you're enjoying the Cowboys losing streak. Uh, Jim, we've spoken many times throughout the years. We've talked about Mensa, 
Barsan Miguel, the Eagles, Bill Sambrook, and of course, Gatto. Uh, not to mention all the stock advice you've given me. Um, I have a company holiday party next week, and it would be really awesome if you could please give a big booyah shout out to my Boca Raton office. We love you here. Also, booyah. what do you think of? <laughs> also, what do you think of Bank of America heading? Oh, into Bank of America's going higher. It's a very inexpensive stock. It's one of the stocks you can buy. And uh, the fact is, I think the yield curve's going their way, and it is not uh, as sexy as J.P. Morgan. But who cares about sex when it comes to stocks? It's not about. It's about money, not about people. Let's go to Amy in Missouri. Amy! Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, I've been wondering what your thoughts are on American States water. Boring and good. Boring and good. You can put it away because it's been pretty consistent. Let's go to Paul in New York. Paul! Hello, Mr. Kramer. Hi. Booyah! Booyah. Paul Claval from New York City. First-time caller, long-time viewer. Okay. Thank you for making me a wealthier man. Oh, my question is, what do you think about BlackBerry? Buy, oh. sell, or hold? Um, and exciting and terrible. Over- it's the opposite of boring and good. It's exciting and terrible. I don't want you in that stock. I mean, I think that some stocks, uh, time passes them by. And I know they got all this intellectual property, but so far it's not amounted to anything. Let's go to Victor in North Carolina. Victor! Thank you for taking my call and thank you for everything you do. Oh, I have a question about. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, they had some online credit problem. We're staying away from that business. We don't want to touch that business. It's okay. There's so many other good companies. You don't need to be in that. Let's go to Susan in Arizona. Susan! Hi. I love you, Jim. You're my hero. You have been talking about stocks. I've been following you for 14 years. I want thank to thank you. you two years ago for giving me advice on MasterCard. I have a stock I'm interested in. It is uh, brand new, involved in the 5G technology. Apparently, it has a crucial part that plays into all of this. Um, it's only being looked at by five analysts, okay. but it's already gotten, it has 200 patents. It's called Enseco. I-N-C-G. I don't know Enseco. I know I was using oh. uh, for ActionAlertsPlus.com. I've been using Marvell for 5G. Oh, geez, this stock is up huge. We have got to do a segment on Enseco. Because that stock is roaring, and I don't know it. Let's go to Chad in Virginia. Chad. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. And happy, happy holidays. Same. What are, your thoughts, what are your thoughts on Clovis Oncology? Well, look, I it think it's it? a good spec. It's an anti-cancer spec. Now, it's not come through so far. So I have to tell you, and a lot of people are cooling on the stock. But I do think for speculation, it is fine. I've done some work on it. It's okay. Let's go to Joe in New York. Joe. Hi, Jim. It's Joe in Glen Cove, uh, first-time caller. I'm asking about uh, Global Blood Therapeutics, GBT. I, I got in said, at 40. Was... It closed at 79 today. Analysts think it's going to 100. I, I got to do work. Don't know it. So a lot of these biotechs, you know, the ones that are that have just come public or have been around for a while, with the stocks are up big, I've got to do more work. Let's go to Max in New York. Max. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. So Insight is up roughly 7, 17% over the last six months, and I right. wanted to know what your opinion is on where it goes from here. You know, look, I happen to have always liked Insight. I think there's a lot of people who keep feeling that somebody is going to go buy them, okay? And that is not what I'm thinking about. Uh, I think it, I think it's just a fine, good company. Some insiders selling there lately, so I don't expect a takeover. Uh, but uh, it's a good company. Let's go to Gregory in California. Gregory. Hi, Jim. Gregory. How are you doing? I am doing well. How about you? 
I'm doing great. You know, of all the stocks you talk about on your show, I got to say, one of the best investments I've ever made is by becoming a club member. So oh, thank thanks. you for doing all that you do. Thank I'm looking you. forward to the uh, to the call next week. Yes, we have big conference right. call. We're going to talk about some of these new names, Queen Bristol Mars, Fractional Alerts. What's up? So. So this is speculative. It's fun. It's cheap. And before you shoot it down, I ask you to think about when they take flight next year, will this stock soar into orbit? And should we be on board? The stock is Virgin Galactic, S-P-C-E. Look, I came around to saying I like Tesla. That was about, that was a, this one is what I call a bridge too far. Tesla can make a lot of money. I don't know about these guys. And that, ladies and gentlemen, good other lightning round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Happy holidays, boo 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 ya! <laughs> Merry Christmas! Boo ya, Kasha from East Nashville! Boo ya, Kasha! February 11th, the day after my birthday, not that that's relevant. They make it easy to watch something like that Disney Plus I mentioned on Big Sweet. It's the best way to get your baby Yoda fix. Hey, Kramer, a big old for you, Mr. Kramer. We don't get enough corn hustlers. I'm glad you called. Good show, buddy. Good show. <laughs> Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. know us by now, we're always looking for new opportunities in healthcare, especially the smaller, indeedly more speculative stocks. They tend to be very high risk and high reward. Tonight, I've got another one for you. It's called Natero, which is the fast-growing diagnostics company focused on DNA analysis. Right now, they sell all kinds of prenatal tests, both for prospective parents and for embryos. For example, they help screen for rare genetic abnormalities that you really might not want to pass into your children. But that's not why Natero's caught fire. Uh-uh, it's up more than 160% for 2019, even as it's recently pulled back a few bucks from its all-time highs. No, investors are excited because the company's testing its diagnostic technology in what we call the liquid biopsy space, with the goal of getting into the cancer screening business. If they can deliver that, I think the stock might have much more upside. So let's take a closer look with Steve Chapman, the president and CEO of Natara, to learn more about his company and where it is headed. Mr. Chapman, welcome to Mad Money. Hi, Good Jim. to see you, sir. Have a seat. All right, first time on Mad Money, so why don't you give people the overview of what you do? Because you have, I have to admit, you've got three things that are probably some of the most exciting things I've heard in medicine right now. Yeah, thanks, Jim. So the mission of Natera is to change the way disease is managed worldwide, and we do that through the application of a proprietary technology that can accurately detect extremely tiny quantities of DNA. So the first application of that was in reproductive health, where we're now the market leader in non-invasive prenatal testing, and we're doing nearly $300 million in revenue this year. So we've now taken the same technology and applied it to oncology to look at circulating tumor DNA to detect cancer recurrence earlier than imaging, and we've applied it to organ rejection, where we're looking at uh, detecting 
uh, rejection after a patient has had a kidney transplant. So we're really excited about these big opportunities. Okay, so you talked about this being the, uh, a transformational quarter. Uh, what's changed this year to drive your business? 165% gain for the shares. Wow. Yeah, so we've continued to grow our core reproductive health business. Mm-hmm. Um, in Q3, we grew around uh, 20% in both revenue and volume year on year. And, you know, that's based on really having a great technology and a very large market opportunity ahead of us. So despite the performance we've had, the um, NIPT market today is only around 15 to 20% penetrated. So uh, we're doing really well there. But we also had very significant advancements forward in our oncology business, right. where we've now received a draft coverage decision from Medicare to use our test in all stage two and three colorectal cancer patients to detect recurrence. And that would be around a million tests per year in the United States, which is an enormous opportunity. Okay, so when I first saw that, we, yeah. we had been a, a big fan of exact sciences, color guard. I mean, is there, do you, it, but there, it is a kind of messy way to be able to test, so to speak, but it, it, the doctors like it. What, one day are we going to just you know, get a drop of blood uh, and you're going to tell us what we have? Yeah, I think it's possible. So, you do? Uh, you really what, think it's possible? What exact science is doing is looking at asymptomatic screening, so detecting uh, patients that have colorectal cancer that have no other physical symptoms. Right. What we're doing is a little bit different. So every year there's a, about 150,000 patients that are diagnosed with colorectal cancer, and there's a million patients that are living in remission of colorectal cancer. Oh, okay. So 30 to 40% of those patients will recur within the first five years. What we're doing is we're trying to detect the recurrence before you can see it on imaging so that we can save the patient's lives. Unfortunately, 85% of patients that have recurrent colorectal cancer are diagnosed too late to do surgery with curative intent. We've now shown in studies that we can detect recurrent colorectal cancer around eight months before imaging oh, that's alone. Incredible. And, and on the kidney rejection, I mean, uh, couldn't that be uh, every organ at one point you might be able to figure that out? Yeah, so in kidney rejection, it's also it's another very large opportunity. Yeah. Uh, combined, uh, oncology and, and organ transplant are around $17 billion opportunities. So um, with uh, kidney transplant, there's around 200,000 patients that are living with a kidney transplant. And unfortunately, around 30% of them will lose their organ within the first five years and 50% within the first 10 years. So with our test, we're looking at circulating... Uh, fragments of DNA that come from the uh, donor organ, and we can use that to detect rejection much better than the existing standards of care. Now, these uh, applications, I am sure, actually uh, in China, where they have 500,000-person hospitals, must be uh, working with you. Yeah, so we've actually had uh, quite a bit of interest from China. So earlier this year, we signed a partnership with the Beijing Genomics Institute uh, for $50 million, where we're transferring our technology there to be used uh, in the oncology space. So there's four times as many cancer patients in China as there are in the United States. So we're really excited about uh, the chance to work with the market leader there and bring our technology to China. Let me ask you, are you worried about intellectual property theft? So, uh, of course, that's something I think that every company thinks about. Um, We've done a lot of things to protect our intellectual property. So we have more than 80 issued and allowed patents. In fact, last year, we filed, uh, this year, excuse me, we filed more than 100 patents. So we feel like we're in a very strong position. Now, when I see a company like yours, we have had a series of companies that one day they're up 100% because uh, Roche decided to buy them or something. I imagine with your three different technologies, people do want to buy your company. Do you just want to stay independent? 
Yeah, so we're in a really amazing position right now. So in the 10 years that I've been with Natera, I've never been more excited about the growth that we have ahead of us. So in the next six to nine months, we're going to launch our new oncology products and our new organ transplant products. So I think that there's a lot of room to grow um, in these big market opportunities. So we're really excited about and just that. Just want to say, on the, on the DNA uh, for uh, parents expecting, yep. what are some of the people who get, get flagged that you know that there could be a, a, a problem down the road? Yep. So um, there's multiple different tests that we offer in the reproductive health space. The most well-known test is called Panorama, where we're looking at cell-free DNA that comes from the fetus. So it actually comes from the mother's placenta. And we can use that to look at chromosomal abnormalities and severe health conditions that are present at about a 1 in 400 pregnancies overall. So for now, for the first time, around nine weeks of pregnancy, we can do a simple blood draw from the mother and look at these disorders. Now, it's really important because we've improved the detection for these disorders significantly over what was available before, but we've also reduced the amount of unnecessary invasive procedures like an amniocentesis uh, that are required. So previously, 19 out of 20 women that received an amniocentesis did not, in fact, need that procedure. Ah. Now, with our test, we've reduced that significantly so that the right patients are getting the the right treatment. Well, you guys are doing so many great things. So every one of these approvals, I want you to come back on. Because I think your company's fascinating the people who watch our show. Thank you, Jim. Okay, that's Steve Chapman. He's the president and CEO of Natera. I hope you're as interested in this company as I was. I I was kind of blown away by all the terrific things that they're doing. Stick with Kramer. Plain and simple, it was a good jobs number. And it will color everything unless Jay Powell says it's such a good job number that maybe he's done uh, loosening or they have to tighten. And then that means we go down. Otherwise, he's the only thing in the way. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening what it all means get the truth not the spin the news with shepherd smith subscribe to the podcast today